0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Instead of- Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's going on, ODPH Society? My name's Ken M. Thank you for joining us again for another episode and joining me in the studio as always. He's the co-host. It's Padawan J. Jay.
1: So I'm not going to toot our own horn or pat ourselves on the back here, but uh, after reports the other day, I think we have better technology than the NFL does.
0: I agree, too, after seeing some of the draft room setups mm-hmm. that are currently getting in place for well, week's big draft.
1: And then supposedly they ran a mock draft yesterday and had issues with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, first round pick.
0: Yeah. To, to
1: the point where there was a, an adult film site offering help on the uh, technical end of things.
0: 2020, man. It's a weird time to be around, but thank you for joining us for, yet again, another podcast episode. Can't wait to interact with everybody. Talking about some sports this week, so obviously join in the conversation because we definitely want to have that interaction. Hop on over to OchoDuralParleyHour.com. Join in the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And always remember, use the hashtag ODPH because we want to talk with you. Biggest sports story of the week, and yes, there is one with everything going on with C-19, has to be the NFL Draft is finally upon us. Yeah. Albeit, though, it's a little different than a little usual. Little subdued. But it is still the welcoming party for all the college players to join the NFL party.
1: Let's say the NFL's been around, what, now? 101 years? Something like that. The NFL Draft's been going on Lord knows how long. Somebody look it up and tell us, hashtag ODPH. It'll be the most unique NFL Draft of all time.
0: Definitely will be, because it's not going to be held in Vegas as it originally was. It's, Can you imagine
1: the bullet they, they dodged with that? Like, if any of the stories or reports we were reading with the setup they were going to have in Vegas ended up being true,
0: uh, that, that to me is a bullet dodged. I have to agree that how they are planning on doing it was having the players get on boats at the Venetian Casino. Yeah, and, on, the, on
1: the on the fountains. And
0: sail in and, and yeah. do all that nonsense. It's like
1: Something tells me, though, much like with uh, WWE and WrestleMania getting uh, canceled from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa this year, They'll run it back either next year or the year after.
0: The minute that they can run the draft back to a live location where the players can walk out and shake uh-huh. up commissioner, Roger Goodell's hands, yeah. they're going to do that. It's yep. something to ever go to the NFL draft. I have been to an NFL draft. Let me tell you this. It is an experience that you are not prepared for until you go because how they do it on TV is a lot different than how they do it live.
1: I'll say it's got to be like going to like any – I would say football game or nationally televised baseball game where like you watch it on TV and it seems like one thing, but then you get, you get, I remember the first time I went to a nationally televised college football game and I was like, the, the teams were ready to go. The players on the field are ready to go. And I'm like, what are we waiting for? Like everything's right. And then I saw the guy with the like yellow shirt or red shirt. I'm like, Oh wait, commercial. We got to wait.
0: Well, to be in the crowd with your fellow fans is an exciting time. And I I will say that, being with fellow Bills fans, as I am a Buffalo Bills proud member of the Bills Mafia, it's, it's a great time cheering for your team and seeing their picks. If you're going against, uh, let's say, your rival teams, because Oakland usually travels pretty big, yeah. Philly travels big, and you know that fan base is very loud and very wild, which is great. Are they? I hadn't heard anything oh, about that. Oh, they definitely are, and they are definitely not afraid to voice their opinion if yeah. your team makes a wrong selection. Yeah, I was there, actually, when Donovan McNabb was drafted by Philly. Oh, boy. And this was the year that everybody was expecting Ricky Williams to go there. Oh, okay. And that f- that crowd got ugly in a hurry. Yeah, I can imagine. And people were cursing out the pick, saying that McNabb, Ned would never get him anywhere, let alone I think he had a fairly successful career. He had, had a good career. And then if you're a Saints fan and how you mortgage the entire farm to move up to the draft to go get him, yeah, that was another tipping point. And I mean, there's,
1: there's tales like that with every draft in every
0: sport. Oh, absolutely. The draft is one of those most unique experiences that, as a fan, it will make or break your franchise. Mm-hmm. You can build a dynasty, or have it crumble and you're five years behind the eight ball. Looking I'll,
1: at you Portland Trailblazers in the 80s. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah, oh, every sport has this. More or less, though, the NFL is the biggest draft, I think. Yeah. The, the NBA is up there, yeah. but the NFL has made this into an event. Mm-hmm. I mean, where it used to start and be two days, it's now stretched over as this year is going to be Thursday, April 23rd through Saturday, April 25th. Right. And what they're doing is the first-round picks are going to be all Thursday night. Friday is going to be the second and third round picks, and Saturday is going to be four through seven, as it typically is. So they they have spaced it out, yeah. and it's a it's become such a media spectacle.
1: Yeah, I mean, even for not just recently but for years, because I remember my senior year of high school, uh, I was on a, a class trip to New Orleans to the Jazz Festival, which if you've never been to New Orleans, highly recommend it. Mm. Um, I just remember that one of the days we were down there, this was in 2007, so this was the year Reggie Bush and all those guys were going in that draft. I remember being at the jazz festival and of course, this was before smartphones, iPhone. Well, I think might've been announced. I don't remember the specific dates, but none of my friends had one. So we didn't have access to the internet like we do nowadays. And I know everybody was really curious about the draft. So like, I remember being at the new Orleans jazz festival at one point and I called my, and I called my house, my parents' house off my little, you know, uh, net 10 mm-hmm. paid prepaid phone and going, Hey, I got like five or six people who were really curious about the NFL draft. Read me the top 10 picks. Yeah. And my and my parents sat there with ESPN on the TV with the little thing going across the bottom going, all right, number one, this guy. So even for years, it's been a spectacle.
0: It always has been. And like I say, to be there live, there's a lot of downtime between picks. Mm-hmm. That the TV there's coverage. A lot of pontificating. Yes. The TV coverage camouflages quite a lot.
1: Yeah. I will say this, though. The one thing I do got to give kudos to uh, Mel Kuiper Jr. every year. Doesn't go to the bathroom while this thing's going on. Yeah, I don't know how the man does it, but more he
0: does. I don't want to know. I'm just letting that go. Like yeah. how he does it, and he's become such a staple of the draft. It's just, like I say, it ties into the tradition that has become the media event that it is. Mm-hmm. And to see that this year, obviously, with C-19, it's not going to be like a typical year. No. That they're going to be doing it live via home for mm-hmm. for some secluded offices. Some, somehow. Wherever your GMs for your respective teams are going to be, we've seen some different footage pop up on the internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Lynch from the San Francisco 49ers. Good uh, Lord. He is ready to go. Uh, Dave Gettleman, according to Coach Duffy, not so much. No. So how it all is going to pan out this Thursday as we kick off is going to be anybody's guess. And it's going to be something that we are going to have to witness and see that this could be a benchmark for how organizations are going to be doing drafts depending on how long C19 is going to be going on. I'm
1: I'm fully anticipating and I'm not going to give a number. I'm fully anticipating there are going to be a few teams that like lose their draft pick or however worse when time runs out just because normally when they do this, you've got everybody in one room. Mm-hmm. You know, the GM, the owner, scouts, the, you know, the coach this, that and the other. Now, you know, they're all going to be separate, so they're going to you're going to have like 8 or 9 computers going with 8 or 9 different Skype calls, Zoom calls, whatever video conferencing service they're using with all of these people and they're going to be banking on their their home internet or wherever they're doing this their internet holding with all of those connections going at once so i can fully anticipate you know the call with you know the nfl when they say "Oh, all right with this pick we want to take so and so like they go to make that pick and the call gets dropped and we all know how technology is oftentimes it comes right back other times it's like 10 15 minutes before it comes back
0: it's going to be really tricky how they do this, mm-hmm. and especially with all the technology we have. It's going to be more or less like a big Zoom chat. Yeah, But it is what it is, and it's still business is going on. Stat quo with the NFL, mm-hmm. which, hey, their season doesn't kick off till later this year, yep. so I have really no issue with this, and they're being smart and safe about it. So unfortunately, certain players are not going to have that cheesy photo op with Roger Goodell and get their jersey you know, handed to them, and they get I think the at the end of the
1: day, they might be okay with that because, like, as cool as it is, I feel like that's a moment that, like, if you get it one, you know, the photo printed out and handed to you. I feel like, you know, for a few years, you might have that framed up in the house someplace, but after a few years, that might go away into storage and you don't see it for a number of decades.
0: And I think for a lot of first round picks, too, that if they don't get taken in the first round, they don't have the cameras, oh my god, staring yeah, staring them down yeah. in the green room, yeah, waiting for them to get announced. I mean, take a look from the years past Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Levar, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. The list can go on and on. Yeah. That being said, that's one thing I think is a bonus of not having yeah. a crowd this year. Yeah. Albeit though, I mean I'd much rather have everybody sit there and have the media scrutiny <laughs> just to be done with C nineteen. But yeah. beside the point, at least that's one thing that we won't have to sit there and watch mm-hmm. and hear all the an- analysts go, How could this player be still sitting here, blah blah blah? Yeah. And there be an armchair GM. So that is kind of the quick wrap up of what the NFL draft means. But now let us deep dive into the first 10 picks of the draft like we do each and every year here on the ODPH. And Coach Duffy has emailed his picks in. He
1: tried putting a Notre Dame player with every pick in the top 10, but we told him, Coach, that's not reasonable or possible. Try again.
0: Yes, he has gone and really tried making his Quentin Nelson picks. Yeah. That, you know, as you listen to Coach, and you should hit him up on at CoachDuffy11 on Twitter because he definitely wants to interact with you, especially on draft night. He's throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, not every player can be Quentin Nelson. There's going to be some players that are going to be surefire picks, and there's going to be some reaches. There's going to be some busts. So we're going to go through the top ten picks like we usually do and deep dive into who we think is going where. So, Pad, you got the list?
1: Yep. Uh, So, of course, uh, with the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft is the Cincinnati Bengals. uh, Looking at Coach uh, and what he said, he's got Joe Burrows, of course, the quarterback from LSU, going and says, quote, obvious pick here. And I have to agree with him. You know, they need a quarterback in the worst way possible. Andy Dalton has been serviceable. You Mm -hmm. know, he's been good. I wouldn't say great, and I wouldn't say terrible, but he's been serviceable. He's been able to win them a few games, but they've lost more than they've won. And I think at this point, you know what you're going to get from the guy. And at the end of the day, ownership over there in Cincinnati, Ohio wants to win a Super Bowl. They want to lead them to the promised land. They want that parade going down, you know, the main street of, of Cincinnati, Ohio. They want the ticker tape. They want the this, they want the that. You know, they want every child born in nine months to be named after the quarterback or the head coach. <laughs> you know, but no offense to Andy Dalton, he ain't going to get that done. You know, we know what we're going to get out of him. He's been in the league long enough. He's not going to get it done. And I think Joe Burrow is the obvious pick.
0: Burrows is the obvious number one pick. He has definitely risen his draft stock throughout the past college football season. So to say that he's the surefire number one pick, it's an easily no-brainer here. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati would be very foolish not to take him. They have a new head coach. They've gone away from the Marvin Lewis era, and they're trying to clean house and yeah. really tinker around there. So to take Burroughs at that position makes the most sense. It's probably the most safest pick mm-hmm. on the draft board. Yeah. yeah, it Just they need to add weapons around him. I know A.J. Green is still there, Yeah, but who's to say he's not going to get moved at some point? Yeah. They need a lot of weapons for Burroughs to really make a run and go somewhere. So it is going to take time, but it's the safest pick right now to see what he does at the pro level is going to be anybody's guess. So, But I do agree that should be the number one oh, pick. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, after that, with the number two pick, uh, it is going to the Washington Redskins. Uh, and look at Coach Duffy's list. He's got it going uh, them taking Chase Young, defensive end from Ohio State. Uh, he says, quote, also a no-brainer, some teams have forgotten the blueprint for winning championships, and that's having guys who can get after the quarterback. And again, got to agree with Coach. Washington, I know I've said in the past, has a lot of needs. They've got to grow Grocery list about three miles long, but at the end of the day, as good of an offense as if you you may have through building drafts and and signing players and trading players and whatnot, it don't mean squat if you don't have a decent defense because you can only play you know run up the score with each team so long.
0: Washington needs a lot of help. Period. Uh Ron Rivera, being the new head coach, is going to right the ship a little bit. I don't think he's going to be making that much of an impact the first year, but this being his first draft in Washington, he needs to have a surefire pick. Chase Young should be the guy, and I want to stress should be. Mm -hmm. But Washington is entertaining offers for teams to move up. So to me, I could definitely see a team move up and really want to add somebody of the caliber of Young who's – really set himself... In my opinion, he is the best player in the entire draft. Mm -hmm. I think he's better than Burroughs if you want me to rank every position player, offense and defensively combined. Young should be the number one pick if Cincinnati didn't desperately need a quarterback. So, this being said, I could see Washington trading out, Mm -hmm. but who has enough stock to move up that yeah. would need that would want to go for Young specifically? Yeah, I know Miami has a lot of draft picks this year. Mm-hmm. I believe they have three in the first round. Something like that, yeah. So could they make a move up to number two? But Miami needs more help than anything, mm-hmm. and I think unless Miami felt that they had a surefire shot at getting Burrow, they're not going to move up. No. I don't think that they will. No. So this pick I think ultimately stays with Washington – but I'm not doubting an outside team really making a move up. I would even go out on a limb and say if Kansas City would really want to make a move, being the Super Bowl champs, what's the one area on their team that needs help? Defense. Defense. I'm just throwing that karma out there to see what happens. But I'm going to say for this official pick, Washington takes Young.
1: Yep. Uh, after that, with the number three overall pick, it is the Detroit Lions. Uh, and looking at what Coach Duffy has, uh, he says it's going to. they're going to take Jeff Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State. Uh, he says the Lions traded away Darius Slay in the offseason only because they say his replacement is... They say his replacement is in this draft. And I, you know what? I have to agree with him. You know, when you trade away a guy like Darius Slee, you have an obvious need to fill at that position. And, you know, their defense was not great last year, especially when it comes to pass defense. You know, they gave up 284, almost 285 passing yards per game, which is not good if you're trying to win, win a ball game. So you definitely need some help, and I think uh, Jeff Okuda is definitely the guy to be there to help out.
0: They need a lot. I mean, Patricia being the head coach of Detroit, he is known for his defense. Am I right or am I wrong, Pat? No, You are very right. So having that Belichick family tree influence on him, I think he's smart enough to take CUDA here, and I think that that makes the most sense for them as well. It's always tricky, though, when you take a cornerback out of college because some of them really pan out and are superstars right out the gate. Mm -hmm. Others – are kind of wait and see. Yeah, Akuda, I think is going to be a solid pick here. Is he going to be you know perennial All Pro? Maybe I don't, I don't know. Like I, I'm not really sold, but I'm sold on the need filling the position here. Yeah. So that that's why I'm saying I'm going with Akuda on this one. Now we get. To number four.
1: Yep. Uh, the number four overall pick is going to the New York football Giants. Uh, Coach Duffy has them taking Isaiah Simmons, a lineback- outside linebacker from Clemson. Uh, he says, honestly, I hope the Giants can trade this pick to a quarterback hungry team. But reports of that happening are not looking promising. Simmons' versatility will lead to a revolution on the defensive end of the ball. Similar to how Notre Dame runs a rover style defense, I project Simmons will bring that scheme to the NFL. Uh, you know what? I want to say they're going to take Isaiah Simmons because they need help on the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. But at the same token, I would say, you know, you can never – it can never hurt to take an offensive tackle. So I can maybe see them taking a a Jedrick Willis Jr. from Alabama or maybe a Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, you know, because like I said, as good as your offense can be, if your quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball, doesn't mean much, you know, but – I can also see them trading away this pick just because it's the Giants or, they, or they'll or they take somebody really wild and outrageous that they don't really need because, again, it's the Giants. But if I had to pick one guy, it's probably going to be Isaiah Simmons.
0: You know, this one not only is at Coach Duffy 11 going to be lighting up Twitter in outrage, I think a lot of Giants Nation is going to be doing the same thing. Probably. This one, the smart move would be to build your offensive line. Mm-hmm. If you are all in on the Messiah, Daniel Jones, yeah, you need to keep him upright. You need protection for him. I think the pick you want to take here is Tristan Worfs from Iowa. But it is the Giants. Yeah. I could fully see them trading down. Oh, yeah. Which will cause an uproar of epic proportions. I'll, I'll
1: be sure to have my popcorn ready.
0: And let me put it this way. If they wind up taking Tua here.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Get on Twitter immediately. If
1: you're in the New Yorks uh, tri-state area, get on Facebook because your friends that are Giants fans are going to be raging. Yes. And it's going to be glorious to see.
0: I'm just saying this. Gettleman has surprised me over the past few years with his picks.
1: He's surprised everyone.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, taking Daniel Jones as high as he did. Yeah. And I'm not saying him taking another quarterback would be completely out of the realm. No, He's very unpredictable, in my opinion, in in my sheer opinion.
1: No, he took Daniel Jones about two rounds ahead of where he realistically should have picked him and would have gotten him.
0: Oh, you would have got him completely. So trying to figure out what the Giants are going to do here, I'm going to just say they're going to trade down. Mm -hmm. So I'll go with that being the official pick, even though what I think they should do is build the offensive line. If they took Simmons at this pick, too, I wouldn't be mad about it. No. I think that that could also help them out. I mean, but what are you ultimately trying to do you have saquon barkley who is a once in a generation back you need to give him an offensive line mm. if you imagine if he had dallas's line yeah he'd be he'd be setting records all over the place oh yeah but they don't have a great line but no. but then again are they going to take another flowers you don't know. I mean, that's a it's a crapshoot with the draft. So you have to take your best needs and hope they work out.
1: And it's even more of a crapshoot this year because unlike, you know, every other draft in the past where they've had all the pro days and combines and workouts and this and that, they hadn't had this. So no. they're just working off of game tape and, and what scouts have seen.
0: Right. And that's honestly you have to go with your gut here. Yeah. And like I say, just with Gettleman, I don't know. So I'm gonna say they trade down, but if they stay here at the pick. Worse is the guy. Mm-hmm. Now we get to number five. That would be the number fifth pick is
1: going to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, coach has the Dolphins taking Justin Herbert, quarterback from Utah. Or excuse me, from what was he, from? Oregon. Yep. Uh, Oregon. Uh, he says, quarterbacks will start to fly off the board here. Seeing as the Dolphins need a guy who can start right away and not sit and heal makes me lean Herbert. I, You know, normally I would agree with Coach. But this is the Miami Dolphins we're talking about here. Uh, they've never made sensible decisions in the past, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Two is the flashy name. It's the one that, you know, most bang for their buck. It'll put butts in the seats if he's able to play. And at worst, he'll have to sit on the bench behind, you know, whoever they got at quarterback. If it's still Fitzpatrick and then uh, the other guy used to quarterback for Arizona, I'm blanking on the name, you know, that won't be such a oh, bad Josh th- Rosen. Yeah. If he's, it he has to sit behind Rosen and Fitzpatrick for a year and really heal up and, and sp- be a sponge for, you know, the NFL game. That's not a bad thing. I fully see them going with Tua just because it's the dolphins.
0: You know, I got to try doing this as impartial as I can. Cause you know, my, with that. my hatred for Miami. So I would say this, if the dolphins were smart, they would take Herbert. Okay. They would take Herbert. But they're the Dolphins. They're not going to think smart. Pad, you were right on the money. Mm-hmm. They're going to take Tua. Oh yeah, and they're going to try rushing him in there because oh, yeah. you realize you have Josh Rosen, who was beaten out by Kyler Murray, and had to leave Arizona. Oh yeah, and for being the guy that came in with the super villain promo at the NFL Draft, out of that entire draft quarterback class, mm-hmm. arguably he is the worst one that showed up. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, and especially you look at Miami where the fan base is rabid to have a successful season and make a playoff run. I've got a cousin who's a diehard Dolphins fan and been a diehard Dolphins fan for like 30 some odd years mm-hmm. there. You know, they're, I would say they're a once proud franchise. It's been down the last couple of years. Well, the last time they, I think they made the playoffs was the year Brady blew his ACL out in the first game mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah. And so, you know, asterisk that on, hey, you made it in on a fluke. You know, it's a rabid fan base and a rabid ownership, I would hope, that wants to make it back to the playoffs. You know, but at the same token, they haven't made the smartest decisions.
0: No, their drafts are usually egregious uh-huh. and atrocious. Yeah. And a lot of other big words that I'm just not going to stress about because they find ways to drop the ball left and right. On picks, it's like it's like when you're doing your fantasy football draft, and let's just say you
1: have 10 people, mm-hmm. and you in most of you are seasoned veterans, but the, inevitably there might be that one person in there that like never done an NFL fantasy football tur- you know league before, and they're just kind of oh this seems like fun I'll just do it, and it's like they take you know a, a recently retired player with like the fourth overall pick, or they take a third string quarterback in the first round. That's how I would describe the Miami Dolphins drafting the last decade.
0: Oh, I grant you, because they have the twenty-sixth pick and the eighteenth pick overall in oh, the yeah. first round. So what they should do is okay, if you're if you're gonna go against Herbert because you think you could get him later, mm-hmm. which you quite possibly can. I'm yeah. not I'm not disputing yeah. that idea. Go get Simmons and sure up your defense, especially with Flores being the head coach, mm-hmm. another Patriot yeah. alumni. Yeah. You have these defensive minded coaches that can come in there and really work with a talent like that. Albeit though. I just don't see them doing it for three first picks in this in this draft in the first round. Uh-huh. They need impact players. Oh yeah, is Tua going to be that impact guy? The first shot out, you have to sit and wait on him. Can you afford to do that? Because the question is: Is the kid talented? Absolutely. Yeah, Tua is a very good player. Say, so look up the highlights on YouTube. Oh yeah, he's got highlights galore, and he's won big games. Yeah, I don't question his ability. But I question, are they going to be patient enough to give him time?
1: I also I also question the medical status just because, again, because of everything going on with C-19 and no combine, no pro days, no workouts, no this. We don't know what the situation is with his injury. Yeah. We haven't seen it. You can tell me and I can read about the medical status and the doctors clearing him until I'm blue in the face and I'm six feet under. Until I actually see it, I'm not comfortable with it.
0: Right. And I agree. So. It all really depends on what their GM is feeling. I'm going to agree with you. I think they're going to take Tua because it's a flashy name. Yeah, yeah. I am just hoping this. They know that this season still is going to be a wash, no matter how many picks they got. Mm-hmm. If they go 8-8, eight and eight, I'm going to say it's a, it's a great season. But if you take Tua, you need to give him time to heal and time to get adapted to the NFL. Yeah. If you don't, you're going to completely ruin this kid. And it uh, is unfortunate.
1: Dolphins ownership is much in the same way that the Oakland Athletics ownership was portrayed in the movie Moneyball, where you think back to where Billy Bean's trying to put a winning team on the on the mm-hmm. field with a little amount of money. And he's like, if we draft this guy, that if we sign this guy, this guy, this guy, we'll be able to win games. And you got the other guys in the room going, Yeah, but you know, Scott Had Hatt- Scott Hattisburg isn't gonna put butts in the seats. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing with Miami.
0: It's the same thing, but it really depends on what direction they want to go in. They can't get much worse. No. Even though I'd be completely fine if they do. (laughs) Sorry. Let's go Buffalo. So that being said, that's the pick there. Number six, I believe, goes to San Diego. Yep. Uh, Always in my heart, San Diego.
1: Yep. Number six overall pick is with the Los Angeles goal. Chargers goal. Uh, Coach has them taking Tua. Uh course quarterback from Alabama. He says with Tua, with Tyrod, stopgap Taylor at the helm, Duffy's words, not mine. Uh, Tua can sit this, sit the year, get his hip right, and be ready to take over next year. Uh, I don't, obviously, don't think that's going to happen because, like I said, with Miami, I think uh, Tua is going to go to Miami. I'm going to say that this is where Justin Herbert goes. Uh, Chargers need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Phillip Rivers is gone. He's currently in Indianapolis uh, hanging out. Uh, so they don't exactly have anyone at the quarterback position. I haven't looked at their depth chart in the last couple of months, so I couldn't tell you who their number one quarterback is right now. Don't care who it is. That's not going to be the person starting their games for them. And I just think it's going to end up being uh, Justin Herbert from quarterback. He's got a good arm. I think he's got enough to get going. And it might be a little rough at first, but I think he'll eventually pan out.
0: So this is a very tough call to make for the Chargers. Uh-huh. You get rid of Phillip Rivers. Yep. Long-time franchise quarterback. Oh, yeah. You're penciled in for day one with Tyrod Taylor.
1: Well, for a while it was Tom Brady, and that
0: didn't work. Yeah, which Brady, I think, would have made a lot more sense going out to L.A. than he did this Tampa Bay. Yeah. But I digress. So you're in the division with an up-and-coming Oakland team. Uh Mm-hmm. Denver, who is there. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. You really don't know what you're going to get. I mean, Drew, Drew Lock there has shown flashes of brilliance, but uh-huh. let's really see a second year under his belt. Yeah. And you have Patrick Mahomes. Uh-huh. The human cheat code. Exactly. So the Chargers are a very good team, but they are streaky as best, uh-huh. and they've been a long time on this show. The most unpredictable team when it comes to showing up on Sunday. Oh, yeah. The teams they should steamroll and blow out by 38, they wind up losing by 17. Yep. The teams that they have no chance of hanging with, they wind up squeaking a victory out with a field goal kick.
1: Well, remember the playoffs a couple of years ago when New England went to the Super Bowl, and they went, you the know, Chargers went into Baltimore and put an absolute whooping on Baltimore. And every sports morning talk person on radio, television, and the internet went, oh my God, look at the Chargers. Patriots aren't going to be able to hang with this. They're going to put up half of 50 points on them. My God, how great are they? And then they laid a goose egg.
0: Mm-hmm. It was one of the most abysmal performances in NFL playoff history, yeah. in my opinion, because I had the Chargers going to the Super Bowl every yeah. year. Like I have this weird thing that I like the Chargers will finally get it together. They have talent on both sides of the ball. It's like Chris Berman for a number of years. Was, what was it? San Francisco and Buffalo. Yeah. And but I was I was say the Chargers had that. They have very potent weapons on both sides of the ball. They just can't put it together. They
1: had all the talent in the world, you know, and just couldn't put it together you know it's like you got the best car in the world whatever you, you think the best car in the world is but you got somebody behind the wheel who doesn't know how to drive
0: yeah so that being said if they took simmons here i wouldn't be mad about it if he no. falls that far but i'm going with you i'm taking they got to take herbert you need to have somebody that is mm-hmm. used to being in a shootout oregon obviously has a high-powered offense yeah they've always had it makes a lot of sense to do. He can stay behind Tyrod. Just hopefully he pans out a little better than Baker Mayfield does mm-hmm. as of right now, even though I'm hoping Mayfield turns it around. But... We'll get into that during the NFL preview way down the road. Mm-hmm. Next up.
1: After that would be the Carolina Panthers with the number seven overall pick. Uh, looking at what Coach Duffy's got, uh, he's got them taking Jerry Judy, a wide receiver. Uh, he says, unless they slide up the board, they will grab a day two quarterback. However, Matt Rule is an offensive guy and loves to score points. That's not going to change in the NFL. And you know what? I got to agree with him. You know, you got Christian McCafferty locked up for. God knows how many years now. I
0: forget what the exact uh, four, four years I believe, but but yeah. the highest paid running back in NFL history.
1: Running back is great and all, but you can only run him for so long before teams figure it out and shut you down. You know, I think they're going to need a wide receiver, whether it ends up being uh, Jerry Judy, like Coach mentioned, or even you know, like a CC or excuse me, CD Lamb from Oklahoma, or even a Justin Jefferson from LSU. I think it's going to be a wide receiver in some fashion.
0: Here's a question. I guess I would ask. Okay. Right now, who is Carolina's starting quarterback?
1: Uh, Looking at ESPN.com, they list one Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback.
0: That being said, they need to get him some weapons. But they also need to give him some balance on the side of the football as well. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the safest pick for him is to bolster the defensive line and take Derrick Brown from Auburn. Could be. That'd be a good pick. I think that that would make a lot of sense. Because with Bridgewater, he's coming from the New Orleans system. He's worked mm-hmm. with all types of different receivers. Yeah, I think he's a little more pro to be passing more than Cam Newton was. Yeah, but yeah, w- if they took a wide receiver here, I wouldn't be that upset about it. No,
1: but they definitely do need something on the defensive side of the ball. They lost Gerald McCoy, Mario Addison, and Vernon Butler to free agency, which are you know th- three great defensive players. Right. Yeah, so you got three whole. You got three players you got to replace. Receiver would be great and all, but receivers are a dime a dozen, especially in the NFL. Exactly. You know, you need a. I think you. All, I'm going to agree with you. They need something on the defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just makes a lot of sense if they want to give him a weapon, though, and they do feel that they can find the number one receiver in the class. Mm. Sure, and I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, Jerry Judy, like I say, from Alabama, he's my pencil the number one wide receiver. I just don't know if they really want to burn that pick and not give him some balance on the side of the ball. That's the only thing I could see. But if they wanted to go for Judy there, I could see that pick too. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to say they're going defensive line for that. That would just make the most sense for me. Yeah, yeah. Next up, uh,
1: after that, with the eighth overall pick, you have it going to the Arizona Cardinals. And looking at Coach Duffy's picks, uh, he says it's going. They're going to take Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineback uh, offensive lineman. Excuse me. Uh, he says prior to trading for Hopkins, I saw them grabbing another wide receiver off the board. But with Hopkins, they need a way to keep Murray from running for his life. And you know what? I got to agree with him. If it weren't for the fact they just traded, you know pennies for deandre hopkins they'd look at something offensive side of the ball because larry fitzgerald you know he's got more years behind him than he does in front of him but with since you got deandre hopkins now not exactly a necessary need you have at the moment for a wide receiver and they're good on the running side of the ball defense is all right you know but you can fill that in with later picks in the draft i think i gotta agree with coach you know you got the you got your offense almost together you got the running game you got the passing game I'm sure they have serviceable tight ends. I couldn't tell you who they are off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But what's the last thing you need? You need a good offensive line to keep Kyler or Kyler Murray's head on and stop it from getting knocked back 15 yards.
0: Yeah, I think they got to go offensive line here too. Kyler Murray was running for his life last year. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you have still Larry Fitzgerald one more year, the swan song year, mm-hmm. you have DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to need the ball because I think if he loses touches, yeah, from Houston, I think that situation could get u- ugly very, very quick. Mm-hmm. Not that it's already not a messy divorce from Houston, but yeah. I'm just saying that could get worse. Yeah. So for me, I am thinking they take Jedrick Wills okay. from Alabama. I think that they need to bolster that offensive line. No matter what, it's going to be a lineman at this pick. Yeah. They need to do something to keep Murray upright because mm-hmm. a kid is smaller than your average quarterback. He can run, athletic is all hell, but he needs time to throw the ball. Can they give him to him? I think that that's a more pressing need for them right now. Because the
1: other thing you got to remember with that, that that NFC West, you've got the Los Angeles Rams, yeah, pretty good defense. Pretty good defense. San Aaron Fra- Donald. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers, pretty good defense. Uh, and then the Seattle Seahawks, pretty good defense. You know, when you got a good quarterback with a pretty good receiving core and a pretty decent running game, don't mean squat if you ain't got a protection for the quarterback.
0: Yeah, I agree with you here. Fully agree. Next up,
1: yep, you got the ninth overall pick, which is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, coach has them taking Henry Ruggs, uh, wide receiver. He says prior to uh, prior, I would have put an offensive lineman here, but you don't release your top two, your top wide receiver two days before the draft and not find a solid replacement. And you know what? I gotta agree with him. You know they got rid of, like he said, they got rid of their top two wide receivers. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a quarterback here, just because as good as Gardner Minshew II was. I don't see him fully being the franchise guy down the road that's going to lead them to the promised land and lead them in a deep playoff run. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take end up, again, much like a Miami situation, Jacksonville's pick, uh, draft picks the last couple of years outside of Leonard Fournette because he's been pretty good have been a little suspect, Mm. at least to me. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take, you know, what is it? uh, Love, the quarterback from Utah State. Justin Love. Justin, I wouldn't be surprised if they take Justin Love, uh, quarterback from Utah State, just as a, hey, Gardner, we like you and all, but we don't think. Or Jordan Love,
0: I'm sorry, Jordan Love. Yeah,
1: Jordan Love. You know, no disrespect, Gardner, but we don't think you're the guy. We got this other guy we're going to put in here. But I hope they take a wide receiver.
0: Jacksonville, why are you becoming the new problem child of the NFL? Mm -hmm. You're getting rid of everybody. Uh, their defensive star, Yannick, decided to get in a fight with Tony Khan Ooh. from AEW, AEW fame. Yeah. And that got real messy in her hurry. Yeah. So where do you go from here? I honestly don't know. I'm going to say they trade out. That's my pick. That
1: wouldn't surprise me.
0: I think they trade out. They try getting a team that wants to move up, maybe go get some help. I could see the Raiders moving up. Yeah. I could see San Francisco. I'll be at those Frisco to move up. The really depends on what they need because they only got their first two-round picks in mm. the draft, yeah, and then they don't have another one, I believe, until the fifth round. Off. So they. Jesus. Yeah, so they really need to be smart with their picks. But I could see a team that really wants to make a jump from the middle of the pack mm. to get up there. Could I see Miami trying to get back in the top ten yeah. and, and mortgage the farm with their two picks? Yeah. Sure. It's Miami. Miami's capable of doing anything. So I'm going to say this. Jacksonville trades out because they're gonna obviously be moving Yannick. Yannick can't stay there. No. He's gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no no chance of that. I think that's probably the most even money deal that's gonna happen. And then where, where do you begin to go? And then they're talking about trading Leonard for not too. Yeah. You're completely blowing up your team. Yep. So I'm yeah, that's that's my pick. They trade out, period. Who goes in there? Lord I, knows. Anybody's guess. Whatever team goes in there, I'll tweet out that pick at number nine. But if you're going to say Jacksonville stays there, phew, throw a dart against the wall. Um, Let me see. I'm just going to go throw a random player, and I'll go C.J. Henderson, cornerback from Florida. Okay. Because they need help everywhere. everywhere. So I'm leaving it at that.
1: Yep. Uh, last pick of the uh, for the ones we're covering here, the tenth overall pick in the draft is going to the Cleveland Browns. And looking at what Coach Duffy has here, uh, he says them taking uh, Mecki Becton, offensive lineman. Uh, he says Mayfield has all the weapons in the world, but when you can't drop back to let wide re- a wide receiver get open, it doesn't matter who you have running routes. A quarterback needs time to let routes get open. Uh, you know, so I you know, I gotta agree with him. But I think they're gonna take uh, Jedrick Wells Jr., the offensive tackle from Alabama. They got wide receivers. They got a running game. Hi, Patriots fan. I know they got a running game. They ran it down our throats last year. Mm. They need an offensive line. You know, Baker Mayfield is good and all. He can get the ball around. He can pass, but he can't do it if he's running for his life. So I think they're going to take Jedrick Wells from uh,
0: Alabama. I don't disagree with that pick. I'm just hearing that they're working out a deal to get Trent Williams Hmm. to come to the offensive line. So if they make that move, and I'll just say this, if they make that move, they're going to be looking wide receiver here, and this is where I think Jerry Judy goes if he's still on the board mm-hmm. for Alabama. If not, they're taking C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. Okay, they're going to get somebody because if you if you really believe in all the tea leaves involved in Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, and he desperately wants out of Cleveland, but yet he's still on the Instagram thing, raving about the jerseys. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows what's going on in that clubhouse. Yeah, nobody. I would say this. I would fully see him getting traded, and Cleveland getting some picks for him, and they'll go get a wide receiver replacement for him. If they go get Trent Williams, would they be smart to add a, an offensive lineman? Yeah, I could see that too because they definitely need to keep Baker upright, especially figuring Nick Chubb is still pulling off the yards he's doing with yep. with a lackluster line. Yep, I I could definitely see them adding to there, but I think though they're going to wind up taking a wide receiver if they get Trent Williams, mm. and like I said, I think Jerry Judy's the guy. I think that he has definitely got a lot of potential for what they need in Cleveland. So that being said, that's the top ten. As the Patriots fan in the room, because we always give you our team's picks, what do you think, and do you have a sleeper for this draft?
1: Uh, I I think unlike years past where they trade out of the first round, I don't think they're going to do that this year. Uh, I think they're going to possibly look on the defensive side of the ball just because that obviously looking at last year is something they might need to look at. I think they're going to look at A.J. S. Espan- es- Epinesa, I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Uh, defensive end from Iowa. Yeah, they need a quarterback, but with it, as early as the quarterbacks are going in this year's draft, and now it's, no, some of the other names aren't exactly like, ooh, got to get that guy. I think they'll hold off this year if they if they even think about getting a quarterback. Um, and in terms of receivers, dime a dozen. You know, all the good receivers I think are going to be gone in the early part of this draft. So I think by the time you get to the twenty third overall pick, most of the good offensive players I think will be gone so I think they'll be looking defense
0: yeah Um, I for the bills I mean for the Patriots I mean it could be anything and would they be smart to draft a quarterback sure because we still don't know what's going to happen I I mean they could still wind up with Cam Newton or Deshaun Watson by the time it's all said and done so I don't really know what Patriots are going to do for the bills I could see them just adding more pieces to the offensive line I could see them adding some to the defense side too I mean they're looking very good on paper right now
1: so they don't have a pick in the first round, it looks like.
0: Right. No, because they, they definitely were moving some pieces uh, with Stefan Diggs to get him. Oh, so, that's, so, oh, so that's so th- right. So, that's, so it's like this year's draft is kind of a wa- I, I want to say it's a wash. So but the Bills
1: don't have a pick until the 54th pick in the second round.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, who could they take down there? I mean.
1: <sighs> and it's funny. Uh, you mentioned that. I, the, looking at a mock draft here from uh, Todd McShea. Uh, that he has them taking Chase Claypool, wide receiver from Notre Dame. One player uh, who name coach threw out uh, in the email he sent us. Uh, he said a, nickel, a name I'd like to throw out there as well: Chase Claypool, out of Notre Dame, a big six foot five wide receiver with big hands. I watched him take over the Camping World Bowl game. I expect him to be able to do similar things in the NFL.
0: Uh, quite possible. I, I could definitely see that. I could see them taking a running back too, because mm. I know that they want they definitely want to balance that out. I, obviously, Frank Gordon not coming back there, so I who knows. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with how the team is looking right now, and for sleeper picks, you know, honestly, like with the with the draft, it's anybody's guess. But I know this is gonna make Coach Duffy's day. Mm. I like the tight end from coming out of Notre Dame, Cole Clement. Okay, I think he's got a very big upside to him. Where he winds up going is anybody's guess. But I think that Kmet could be a guy that could come in and really help an offense out that's just missing that little piece of the puzzle. Uh-huh. I I just I'm not sure who really needs it. Cause when you start looking at the rest of the draft, obviously teams have needs that they need to fill. Oh yeah. Some are gonna be worse than others. I mean, who knows what Dallas is gonna pick because they're always known to really go just take <laughs> out of left field. The, the biggest name available. The Raiders in years past have always done who's you know done the best at the combine mm-hmm. you know, based on running. And you just They like
1: to take guys who can throw 60 yards from the seat of their pants.
0: Right. So when they decide to go, and this is just for all overall teams, when they decide to go on a player, it can make or break the franchise. That's why the draft is so important. But it's always the first-round picks to get the notoriety. But if you start looking in the later rounds, that's where you see a lot of your superstars come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, where was one Tom Brady drafted, Pat?
1: Uh, 199 in the sixth round.
0: Exactly. So it all depends on when the players get on the field and what they can produce. So for the number one picks, they have the most eyes on them because they get the guaranteed money. Most importantly of everybody in the draft, they're going to have a lot of the attention on them. Can they show up on the big stage? You're assuming they can if they're drafted that high. If not, then this is where you start going with busts and players that just don't hit up that potential. The draft is that important that you can't misfire on picks because it can set your franchise back years or it can get you on the road for the playoffs for many more years to come. The NFL Draft kicks off this Thursday as we're recording, April 23rd, 8 p.m. So definitely check it out and join in the conversation on social media. Hashtag ODPH. What's your thoughts on this year's NFL Draft class? Are you excited for it? Are you not? What's your team and what do they need? Let us have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com
1: for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.
0: Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suter, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand I'm doing the best I can But not as good as I want to be I just want to get it I just want to comprehend That I have to make amends Welcome back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And I guess we are going back to our saga of As the Octagon Turns. <sighs> Yes, there has been some latest developments in the saga of the UFC fighting to get back into the cage. Horse piss. So, Pad, why don't we just recap everything that's been going on in case somebody has not been following. Since C-19 has been shut down, oh my lord, the UFC has been canceling cards left and right like every other sports organization on the planet. And they have announced that they were trying to make UFC 249 go on April 17th in
1: the worst way possible. Mm-hmm.
0: That it was just going to be on Fighter Island.
1: Well, for, well, first let's remember UFC 249 was scheduled for April 18th. I want to say it was mm-hmm. uh, in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and then C19, you know, really took uh, its grips in the United States. And, you know, the, uh, New York state, of course, where Brooklyn is located, uh, imposed a no, you know, a, no, a non-essential travel ban, essentially where, if, Hey, if you're a non-essential worker, you can't go anywhere. So that then canceled any sporting events happening in the state of New York. So then they they were looking at possible other places and, you know, any other state they were, they like to run in a lot, California, Nevada, what have you, we're all following similar paths. We're like, Hey, no sporting events, no contact sporting events. You know, for the next however many days. Then it was, oh, we're gonna ho- we're gonna hold it someplace. We're gonna hold it someplace. Mm-hmm. They were looking at a, a Native American reservation out in California. That didn't pan out, and that because in the and then they were looking at Fighter Island, as Ken alluded to, because Dana White bought an island. But what inevitably looked like it put two forty nine in the water uh, was the CEO of Disney and the president of ESPN stepping in and going, hey. Knock it off. Mm -hmm. But, hey, it's not dead yet. No, it's not dead. Much like Monty Python.
0: It's not dead because it was announced since our last recording that (sighs) UFC is going to attempt to run a new UFC 249 on May
1: 9th. And you called it.
0: Yeah, I had a feeling about this. I know that there was telling fighters still they weren't officially canceling because the main event was supposed to be Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo, mm. but then Aldo cannot leave the country of Brazil, obviously with travel restrictions going on with C-19. So Dominic Cruz was going to get added in his replacement.
1: Hey, and for what it's worth, uh, Tony Ferguson made weight the day the fight was supposed to take place last weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean, bravo to him about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely bravo. But now the question becomes, okay, what were we going to do for May 9th with the UFC? Because as the WWE has now been announced that they are an essential business and how the law is worded in Florida, that is, any performers or athletes that's providing entertainment is now considered essential. That I'm just paraphrasing this. Mm-hmm. So that opened It's a lot the, of legal jargon. It's a lot of legal jargon, but it opened the door for basically every other sports organization to try making a run.
1: Because I know last week when we recorded, you read off the statement and I was listening to it. And I realize I'm not not a, a, a lawyer or any person mm-hmm. of any legal stature, but just the way the wording was written and the way you were reading it to me, it was very vague That in terms of what it encompassed in terms of a sport or live audience. And I'm sitting there and you got done reading it. And I'm like, and I in my first reaction was they just greenlit every sport in the country to be able to go to Florida and operate.
0: Oh yeah. Without question.
1: Just because of the way it was worded and the way it was written, it didn't say world wrestling entertainment is an essential business. And we give them license to operate during this time when everything's going on. In in in, in uh, broadcast live shows, no, that wasn't it. It was essentially worded in. A, I'm paraphrasing, you know, athletes and live broadcasts, and just the way it was worded was very, very, very vague.
0: I understand we're all trying to get out of the C19 shutdown, and we all want to get everything going again, especially sports. Yeah, this is just really an egotistical and arrogant move to really keep trying this without doing the proper settings for it. Mm-hmm. now what i mean by this is it's still been announced that they're going to host may 9th they have not announced where the previous cards have been all wiped out so the four events that were previously scheduled to be taking place that has all been canceled so now they're building for this may 9th super card it has not been said officially where yet so It's anybody's guess, but it has not been said about, okay, how are the fighters are going to be quarantined? What about the safety, like such as the regular regulations that they're doing in Florida. So I still have an issue with this until something is said by the CDC or the governing faction, which is going to house this event, because yet again, it is still not scheduled to be announced where this is being held. Mm -hmm. All signs point to Florida where I don't know, but it's all supposed to point there. They're going to stock this through the roof. I mean, some of the fights that were supposed to be mentioned was Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje was supposed to be in the main event. So, Hudo versus Dominic Cruz. Amanda Nunez was supposed to fight Felice Spencer. Uh, that has now been canceled, though. Nunez has pulled out of right, the fight right. for much of the same reasons w- that we have said, too. It's mm-hmm. just right now is not the time to really no, be yeah. to going ahead with this. So, that being said, until some more information about this is coming out, I really can't co-sign on this. No, and I
1: and I love how Brett Okamoto was reporting that. Oh, they're gonna have to hold the fight May 9th and a location to be to be announced. Hi, it's not hard. I don't got to close my eyes with a dart, spin in a circle, and throw a dart to try and figure out where they're gonna put it. We know where they're gonna put it. The only place it's allowing sports to go on right now, Florida. Yeah. So it, it, it limits you to the American Airlines Arena down in Miami. Or whatever, uh, what is it? The whatever the name of the arena is where the the magic play
0: in, in Orlando. In
1: Orlando, it, you're really limited to like Miami or Orlando. Like it's not hard to figure, or even uh, Tampa Bay where the Lightning play. It's not hard to figure out.
0: The only other option, which I have to credit Rich from Three Fat Nerds podcast about, he's thinking this might take place in the WWE Performance Center.
1: That did cross my mind.
0: I'm not doubting that idea happening as well, but then again, how many? of the fight team is going to be allowed there how i mean it's a difference of nothing, amount nothing of people from wwe to ufc for and,
1: and nothing has changed in terms of our concerns with this from fighter island to now this it's yeah. the same still applies because you know the cdc is still recommending no more no gatherings of more than 10 people on a normal ufc card if nothing's going on You've got an excess of, what would you say, 30, 40, 50 people octagon side?
0: Give, take. I mean,
1: even shrunken numbers where it's just the judges, you know, a timekeeper, because you're going to need one to, you know, whatever that thing is, the, me- yeah. the the wooden slapsticks, whatever those things are, you know, so that's four. You're going to need a referee. That's five. You got the two fighters. There's seven. So you're not going to be able to have any more than maybe one person from their camp octagon side. And that's Nine. But then you got to factor in, okay? Are what are they going to put the the announcers if they when they broadcast
0: this thing in a skybox someplace? You'd have to figure that they would kind of copy two things: one, how the WWE has been doing their business, and two, how they did in uh, the Brazil card, the last one they ran with the empty arena. I just don't know how they're going to pull this off with all the restrictions that have been set in place since that Brazil card. Mm. I just I I'm struggling to figure this out and they have not been very forthcoming with information of saying how they're going to pull this off. It's just Mm -hmm. going to be like, hey, we're going to give you this amazing card. And the card is, if this was any other time, this would be the biggest fight card of the year. Yeah, yeah. Because you have three title fights going on. Then you have the Ngannou rematch, which was already supposed to main event a card. Right. You got Qatar versus Jeremy Stevens. You have Cerrone fighting Anthony Pettis. And then, I mean, you have Olenek versus Ferriso Doom, who's coming back in. They were rumored to be, what, a Shogun versus a Little Nog, or rematch of that? Something like I that, mean, yeah. And a Jacare versus Raya Hall. I mean, they have this card stacked ridiculously.
1: And it's them trying to save face because it doesn't look good, at least in their eyes, that they're not running right now, which to a certain portion, yeah, that might be true. There might be some people who are pissed off they're not running right now. But I would hope to the majority of people, they don't care. Because they don't want people to get sick and and injured or hurt just for their pure enjoyment. I would love to see some UFC action that's that's current and live and not some old footage from, you know, a couple months ago that I've already seen. Mm -hmm. I would love it. But at the same token, I don't want anyone, as much as I may hate the the judges on this, and I may think they make BS calls and we've called them out on it numerous times on this show. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to get sick. I don't want them to get their family members sick. I don't want somebody in this organization or in these fight camps to get sick or get their family members sick just for my enjoyment.
0: Yeah, I'm fully with you on this. This is just seems like is still getting thrown together. And I guess the thing that's the driving point is if they are taking the proper precautions, they have not revealed it. This has not been it, yeah. very forthcoming about information of one. If you're not saying where you're holding the fight, mm-hmm. that's a prime example of something is going on that's not should be going and on.
1: we're now what like a month into this whole saga of where the fight's going to be that it's in some unknown location and it's going to happen going to happen going to happen even with all these restrictions and all these kind of rules in place we're a month plus in we are now two and a half weeks away from this supposed card we still don't know what they're doing
0: exactly
1: we don't know. Now, obviously, with WWE, the stories and the reports came out from the dirt sheets of what they're doing for taping their shows and how they're cleaning things. They're changing the ropes. They're changing the, the turnbuckle.
0: They're changing coverings. The they're
1: changing the mats. They're cleaning everything that we know that that got out. This it's just, hey, we're running a card. We're stacking it to the nines and it's going to be someplace.
0: Exactly. But
1: the difference with WWE is, okay, yeah, they're they're rubbing up against each other, and they're grabbing each other, and they're throwing each other. But there's also time where they're not doing that. What's the bulk of MMA and UFC? They're laying on top of each other for in excess of 25 minutes. Yeah, that's a little against CDC recommendations.
0: It's a real question of how you're going to be able to pull this off with an athletic commission and they need to adhere to the rules of the state. Now, like we said, the wording of the law in Florida is very vague and there are ways to get around this. That's what we're saying. Every single sports organization is eyeing to go there to take up business again. I mean, this is why baseball is really eyeing that right yeah. now, along do, along with doing it in Texas and Arizona. This is why you're you're seeing the NBA looking at that possibility too. But the UFC is different and the fact that they're being so defiant about getting the ball rolling, look, if they are doing this and they are adhering to safe guidelines, I will say, great, I will co-sign on that.
1: But I think before that even happens, you have to put these details out of what you're doing.
0: Exactly.
1: You cannot wait until the post-fight press conference, video conference, Zoom conference, FaceTime conference, whatever it is, you cannot wait until all the fights are said and done and say what you did. Yeah. You have to come out. When you do a the, the weigh-ins or you do a press conference for this thing, and you have to detail with excruciating detail what you are doing.
0: Yeah. Because any less is a crime. I agree with you fully. There is no way they can't come out with the details because you need to clear this. And especially if you're trying to be so secretive and if the excuse, I'm sorry, this is weak if this is the excuse, that you don't want to tell fans where you're going to be at so they don't come down. I'm sorry, that's bogus you need to be forthcoming with all that information because if you're going to be running fights and you are bringing in a very big group of people, now, depending on how you want to do this, if you're going to completely space it out and tape it and put it together, right, that's a different story. But if you're saying that you are going to run business as usual and this is how you're doing this, this is so arrogant and so blatantly stupid.
1: Yeah, there's no way you can keep this secret. You know, there are people working in airports. Some of them, I'm sure, are are UFC fans. Mm -hmm. So you can't tell me that, you know, if you have a famous UFC fighter walking into the airport, who admittedly, they're a little slow these days. We know from Jerry Lawler, when he went to go back to Raw for the first time live, tweeted out that he called his local airport to figure out what time the flight was leaving to Orlando so he could get down there. And the person working at at the desk there said, quote, what time can you get here?
0: exactly they're,
1: they're a little slow so you can't tell me that if somebody flies into let's just say the fights in Orlando where the Ma- uh, Orlando Magic play you can't tell me that they go to fly into Orlando airport that somebody working baggage or somebody working the ticket counter doesn't see you know a, uh, Francis Ngannou for example walk in and go holy shit that's Francis Ngannou mm. and, it, and as slow as it might be right now they can't take the 30 seconds to open their phone go to Twitter Facebook Reddit Snapchat, and go, hey, look who's here in Orlando. And it'll be all over the place within five minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be so secretive about this, I mean, like I say, it's just a bad look in my opinion about this. That if you're not being following the rules that are given, and you're being very defiant about this, which is this is how it's coming across. This is not the message you should be sending out. Now, if you're saying, okay, we're back in Florida, we're working with the guidelines are given, this is how we're doing things, great, perfect, Be very excited to see those fights, but if you're not, and you're still planning on doing what Fighter Island way out in California, which still has yeah, which still has not cleared everybody to to resume combat sports. Yep. This is just blatantly arrogant. Yep. And I'm sorry, there's no rhyme nor reason to be doing this. I mean, the fact that you are having fighters slowly pull out, and like I said, Nunez decided to pull out because she couldn't run a full camp with everything going on. Sure. Obviously. I which I don't falter about. It's not into quarter. It's not the right time for me to be fighting right now. Let the coronavirus pass a little bit, and then we can at least have a full camp. Let's see where we are around June, and let's see where we're going there. Okay, fine with that. Fine. Yeah. No issue with that. But to just have everybody really rush into a camp, and then not everybody is Donald Cerrone. Not everybody is going to be like, no. I can set down with my my beverage and, and go. And yeah, people need camps to get trained. People need to get in the habit of doing this and let them go from there. And then, you know what I like it just to kind of have a rush that we haven't heard about anybody being court or quarantined. We're just hearing people are going to get together again and get into a building. And I mean, I don't like, I just, I, I really just are questioning the lack of details about
1: this. Oh, I am too. I really, I, I maintain they shouldn't run.
0: No, they, they
1: shouldn't run. And, and they, I, and I maintain, like I've said in previous weeks, if you're that desperate to put something on television, do a best of card. Now, got so Ariel Holani over the weekend retweeted somebody uh, who said, a quote tweeted somebody who said, got a friend who is fairly new to MMA, made a custom best of card for us to watch tonight in place of UFC 249. Backyard, cigars, bourbon, classic fights. Don't tell me when I read this off to you, because this is a full card, early prelims, prelims, and main card. Okay. I read this off and tell you, tell me, you would or wouldn't watch this if they put this on hell. Free TV, ESPN, ABC.
0: And to clarify, I have not seen this list, so you're going to get my genuine reaction yep. here.
1: Early prelims, Nick Diaz versus Daly. Oh, shit. Okay. Crow Cop versus Emilenko.
0: Oh, Okay, from Pride. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: Liddell versus Silva.
0: Okay. F- Ferguson versus Pettis. Okay. That's early prelims. That's the early, pr- oh, okay. Prelims, Silva versus Sonnen. Number one? Or they, yeah, they have to be number one. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, G- I should note, none of these, if they fought more than once, the person doesn't specify
0: it. I'm just reading it off. Gotcha. Uh,
1: after Silva versus Sonnen, GSP versus Bisping. Okay. Uh, Henderson versus Shogun.
0: Has to be number one, man. That's my all-time favorite fight.
1: You end the prelims with McGregor versus Diaz, one.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm not in love with that fight, but okay. Main card, McGregor versus Diaz. I don't argue that one. Okay, that can make the main card. Jones
1: versus Gustason. Okay, perfect. Ed- Edgar versus Maynard.
0: Now, that's a good one because they had a trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I will say, you know what? I would flop that to the, to the main event of the prelims, and I'd bump up Shogun Henderson to that. I'd, I'd swap the two.
1: Okay. Uh main is Lawler versus McDonald. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, main event, Griffin versus Bonner. Uh, no arguments. None. That You put that on ESPN, a lot of people watch
0: that, and you'll get a lot more fans. You want to get people hooked on MMA. That's the thing you put on right now. Those fights alone will do it. I The McGregor-Diaz one, I'm sorry, like was good for a round, and then McGregor gassed out. So I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of that one. Fight two was better was way better, but I'm sorry, McGregor gassed out, so you need to swap that. Shogun Henderson was one of the most back-and-forth fights I've ever seen. When I literally got done watching that fight, I'm like, who won? We did. Mm -hmm. Didn't care, and I'm not the biggest Dan Henderson fan in the world either. And when, like I said, the victory, he got, like, like, honestly, I think I even blacked out who won that fight because it was that good that I think, like, both guys earned stripes. Anyway. Yeah. I think Henderson won. Like, honestly, I'm going to have to check that out. Cause honestly, I, whenever somebody mentions that fight, I just magically trigger. They both did. Mm-hmm. It's that good. Yeah. So that being said with the fight, I, I'm already just going to say that's what they should be doing, but just to sit there and like, just not come out with the details about it. And especially like, I think the thing that's most unsettling is all the secrecy mm-hmm. is why are we just saying they're going, yeah, we're going to fight. We're going to do this. We're going to be so defiant. And yet, you're not explaining how you're doing this to be safe. And like you've had more than enough
1: time to figure it out. Yeah, you've had more than enough time to do this. Because this isn't the this isn't the case. Like about a month or so ago, when there was, or two three weeks ago, when it was, oh hey yeah, we're gonna have a fight on an island, and we're like, all right, really shouldn't, but you got to tell us how you're gonna do it. Hi, we're multiple weeks later, and you still haven't said. Yeah, that's that. You can't the, tell me you haven't had time for your people. Or, or government officials you know health officials to figure out how you do this you've had the time
0: yeah Dan Henderson did win that fight I, I had to check it up because like honestly that fight still I would much rather watch that on repeat for five fights than sit there and see fighters possibly get sick from this mm-hmm. and this is not a joke so why are why is the UFC treating it as such and you and you can't say they're not at this stage because I understand they want to get back in business everybody else does. But when you're being so secretive about this, that is just such a bad look. Like, if you were saying, okay, we're sending them shop in Florida. We're adhering to the rules. This is what we're doing. Our fighters are in quarantine. Yeah. Okay. Different story. I'll be the first one to come out and say, okay, I'm all right with this. Mm -hmm. But I'm not all right with, okay, we're just, well, you know, we couldn't run that day. Well, guess what? We're going to do it. What have you done since point A to point B to warrant that exchange? Yeah. What have you done that says, okay, now it's safe to do it. You cancel a fight on the 17th of April to run on May 9th. What is the difference? What, where's the change? Uh, where?
1: ju- just the listing of where it's taking place on, on the internet.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's the only change that you have specified. You need to give more details for us to say this is okay. I'm sorry. If you feel strongly that this is okay, please explain to me why. I'm going to throw that to the ODPH Society. If you are alright with the fight running, with not knowing where it is, not knowing how they're keeping the fighters safe, not knowing how they're keeping the personnel safe, and I'm just going to group personnel as judges, referees, uh, commentators if they're doing that, fight teams however you want to define that, I'm just going to leave that as personnel. If you're not explaining to me how they're pulling this off and doing it in a safe way that we're not we're flattening the curve instead of worsening it, mm-hmm. like you need to explain that to me. I'm sorry, I can't. I cannot co-sign on this. No, this is just asinine in my opinion but that being said i definitely want to have that conversation with you folks you are hearing this at home we've presented the case ufc 249 is quote-unquote a go explain to me how and explain to me how you were excited about this if and how everybody's being safe that's what i really want to have that discussion with with the details we are given today as we we're recording on the 21st of april hit us up on our social media accounts we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back
1: Greetings and salutations. This is Cage's Kiss, the ultimate Cage cast, where we discuss the movies and life of the national treasure, Nick Cage. There are three of us here, and I can't help but notice that none of us are Nicolas Cage. Did nobody call him? What? A Cage cast with no Nick Cage? No, instead of being Nicolas Cage, we're three Nicolas Cage experts, which is the next best thing. I don't think we should admit to being experts. Too late. We are not experts at anything. We are not life coaches, and we are not in any way, shape, or form qualified to give you suggestions on life choices. But Nick Cage is, and he's made hundreds of life choices. Seriously, I cannot stress enough just how much you should not take our advice. But we're experts. No, seriously, we're not experts. Yes, but we will be reviewing his first acting gig as Nicholas Coppola, Best of Times, which features a young and very precious Crispin Glover. And his work in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And his work in My Nightmares. We're experts. It's a
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to talk some wrestling. Mm-hmm. Now, wrestling is still going on in the state of Florida with the WWE. Yep. They have been adhering to the rules given. They are the ones that got the bill passed in their favor. Uh, it's really kind of messy how it happened. Yeah. I won't get into that. If you really want to hear the deep dive on that, I recommend listening to the latest episode of 3FNW over on the 3 Fat Nerds Podcast Network because Rich and I did deep dive in on that. But since... That last time that we've had the talk here on the ODPH, a lot of moving and shaking has been happening in yeah. the WWE. Wow. So obviously after WrestleMania season, there are typically layoffs and releases from the roster. Yeah, it's not
1: uncommon. Oftentimes it's wrestlers that you haven't seen on TV in a while. Maybe you completely forgot about, and it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot they were signed there.
0: Right. So now we are back to square one where businesses, quote, unquote, stack quo, Albeit, though, with the C-19 going on, a lot more people were released than we were anticipating.
1: Yeah, like Red Wedding from Game of Thrones released. Good Lord.
0: Right. And when the original press release came out, they did not say anything about furloughs. So I want to stress when this all came out, it was just everybody was gone. Mm -hmm. So obviously they've kind of added a little more information since their initial release, but... As we are recording right now, these people are currently no longer employed with WWE.
1: Yep, uh, reading the list here courtesy of CBSSports.com. Uh, among those released uh, this past Wednesday were Rusev, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Drake Maverick, Eric Young, EC3, Leo Rush, Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Heath Slater, Sarah Logan, Eric Rowan, No Way Jose, Primo, and Epico Cologne. Mike and Maria Canellis, Diana Perazzo, Alexander Jaxic, Aiden English, uh, who is an announcer, Mike Kiota, possibly their longest tenured referee at
0: the yeah, point. Yeah, I believe so. Uh,
1: Kurt Engel, uh, who CBSSports.com lists as a producer, uh, Billy Kidman, who uh, is a producer, Mike Rotunda, former wrestler and currently a producer, uh, Dave Fit Finley, uh, producer, Pat Buck, who is a producer, Sean Diavari, who is a producer. Scott Armstrong, who is a producer, Sarah Stock, who is also a producer, Shane Helms, producer, uh, and then Lance Storm, who is also a producer.
0: So that being said, any names jumping out at you? There was a huge surprise.
1: Anderson and Gallows. Like they had now without remembering off the top of my head, they just recently, like within the last year or two, re-upped with them mm-hmm. that I realized they weren't doing anything great with them. But I you know, put that on writing more than anything. Uh, they surprised the, you know, what out of me, um, you know, also I would say Rusev to a certain degree, because he's still like, I realize you know, maybe he's not topping merch like he was about a year or two ago, but that's also because when's the last time new Rusev merch came out, but every time he's on screen or when he's not, when his real life, forget the story, his real life wife is on screen, Lana people are still chanting Rusev Day, Rusev Day, Rusev. De. Like, he's still over with the crowd. So I'd have to say the first three names I mentioned with Rusev, Anderson, and Gallows shocked me the most.
0: I have to All, agree with you. Also, Kyoto. Well, Kyoto shocked me. Sarah Logan shocked me. Yeah. That was probably the one of the biggest ones for me. And Al's, or Anderson and Gallows. Just the fact that they did resign, they were paired with AJ Styles, I was more really in, shocked with those yeah. for than for anybody. Yeah. Rusev falls under the revival mm. banner for me because Rusev has been very critical of the WWE for not pushing him and the storylines and albeit when he's out in the ring, he is very over. Um, oh yeah. So, well and behind
1: the scenes he donated like $25,000 of his own money to help People who work for WWE who might find it a little difficult given these current times.
0: Yeah, Rusev is showing he's been a very top top shelf person. Like I, I don't know him personally, but his actions have definitely spoken a lot. Yeah. So to see how he's reacting to this, um, you know, bloodbath—I guess you can call it—like the Red Wedding, uh, he's just been very top shelf about helping everybody out, Mm -hmm. and I fully expect him to wind up somewhere, whether it's Ring of Honor, whether it's AEW. I could see him winding up there. But I think it just kind of falls back, though. He had been very openly complaining about WWE not using him right. Mm -hmm. Same thing that the Revival did. And then the Revival was sent on their way, which is a shock to nobody. And obviously, the writing is on the wall. As soon as AEW is back up and running, they'll be there to hang out with everybody. Yeah. Uh, So that one didn't really surprise me as much. Uh, Sarah Logan definitely did. She's been in a semi-push lately. Obviously, um, to see her get released was kind of a left-field one, but I have been hearing reports that she that many of the talent backstage has been very vocal.
1: Uh, the, those are the reports, but according to what I've read this morning from Dave Meltzer, they've been very vocal, and she got mentioned on TV last night because she still has the 90-day no compete thing in her contract, so they're still paying her for another 90 days. They might still use her for those 90 days, but according to what Dave Meltzer and some other people have said online, you might much in the same way that Drake Maverick is, where Jake Drake Maverick was announced for the cruiserweight tournament on NXT, and then like two three days later got cut, mm. but he's still going to appear on the cruiserweight uh, tournament, and those are he said those will be his last matches. I think Sarah Logan is much in the same boat. People might have been you know pushing for her and really. Supporting her behind the scenes with some of the upper management, but and you might still see her on a Raw or on a SmackDown or or what have you for those ninety days. But I still think once the ninety days are up, she's gone.
0: I, I will disagree with you on this. I think that she winds up coming back. She's one of the furloughed. Okay, that 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 will be my prediction. I think that she is. I I would say another one that is acting like it is Leo Rush mm-hmm. on his social media. So I wouldn't doubt that he's not furloughed. Uh, Drake Maverick could be. Drake is a puzzling one. Yeah. Not that I'm too shocked he did, but at the same time. I'm really not, in like, all honesty. I, I'm kind of like indifferent about it. Like, I. He had,
1: well, because you remember, he had the he was general manager or whatever of 205 Live. Right. And then they put him in as the manager of AOP. And mm-hmm. then they got hurt, and you didn't. Like, he's been off TV more than he's been on. Right. And when he's been on, it's been like, you know, it was with the 24-7 title stuff, which admittedly was funny, but, like, there's only so many times you can have him trying to consummate his marriage on TV. But, oh, hey, I lost a 24-7 title, so I've got to run away from my wife.
0: Yeah, it's one of those situations that, I think he could be used, and they sometimes take him off TV to repackage him. Yeah. But I wouldn't doubt he winds up coming back. And then Rich, like I said from 3FN, had a really good theory that this could be all a work, and he's going to wind up winning that title. Maybe. Which would be like up there with the Mark Henry fake-out promos, if it is a work. Yeah. Because his his goodbye on social media was one of the most yeah. like, gut-wrenching yeah. ones in recent memory. So if it is a work, I want to stress if. Then it would be up there with the Mark Henry swerve. If it's legit, I would say he'll wind up somewhere very soon. I don't know because let me ask you this, Pat: With the names that have been gone since we kind of said who shocked you, who didn't? Mm-hmm. Where do you think certain wrestlers are going to wind up?
1: Uh, I think Anderson and Gallows will wind up back in a uh, over in AEW. Uh, okay. it, well, no, let me let me go on that. They'll go back to Japan for a while. They'll do a run in Japan for like a year or something like that. And after that if they don't retire cuz let's be honest they've kind of been everywhere and they've done everything there's not much left for them to do. Mm-hmm. I could fully see them after they do one more run in New Japan retiring. If they don't do that I can see them going to AEW and just cuz there's a lot of good tag teams over there that do they need Anderson and Gallows? No, but would it make the tag team scene over there even more insane? Yeah. It would. Uh, I think Rusev goes over there as well just because there's a lot of people over in the AEW camp talking about Rusev and how good he is and this and that. You know, the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. Quite a bit of smoke coming from those comments. Um, I think in, in other terms, you know, Heath Slater was one that mentioned, I think he ends up in maybe a NWA or an impact type of thing. You know, not anywhere big, not anywhere main. Like, like he said in his social media posts the other day, you know, he's lost the spark. He's lost the flame, and he's got to go get it back. I think he's going to go someplace else where the limelight or the spotlight maybe isn't so big, but he can still flourish. I think EC3 goes back to impact. You know, it's a familiar stomping ground. You know, he still knows people there. It's it's a safe place to go.
0: I would say this. My safe, if we're going to do locks and leaps. Okay. My lock of all locks is Zach Ryder is AEW bound. Okay. Pencil that in every – I almost want to say every single member of the AEW roster commented on his Instagram release. Right. And were singing his praises.
1: Well, and that was one that didn't surprise me that they cut because don't – I forget whether it was last year or the year before. It was relatively recently. He almost went from January 1st to December 31st without appearing on Raw. Yeah. And it wasn't until – because whatever year it was, uh, the 31st or 30th ended up on – landed on a Monday. Mm Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, like, literally the last Raw of the year that he appeared on TV. So that was one that didn't surprise me.
0: It didn't surprise me. I think it's – I don't want – like, I'm not wishing he got fired by any means. But I was hoping that if he really wants to continue his career, he needs to go somewhere else. I think he he ran his course in WWE. Yeah. And I think AEW will be a perfect landing spot for him.
1: He definitely needs, like, a repackage, retool his kind of gimmick. Because he did the broski, bro, you know, Matt Riddle type type thing for – Only so long. And he rode that for, what,
0: 10 years? Yeah, he rode that as far as he could. And I think AEW would be a good uh, landing ground for him. Just the only thing that I would worry for him and anybody coming from the WWE is how AEW has booked in talent that has come over Mm -hmm. has not been the best. No. Like, let's take a look at Sean Spears. Yeah. For starters, and, I mean, to see the initial roster of AEW and where some of those wrestlers are not even on TV anymore, like Joey Chinella. Yeah. yeah, You have to go there with a little trepidation if you're signed there. I guess that would be the way I take a look at it. Mm -hmm. Because after the Revival has their big tag match with the Young Bucks, which, let's face it, everybody's been waiting to see for years. Yep. Where do they go from there? And are they going to like the direction they're going to be put in? It's anybody's guess. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the list, though, I could see Rusev going there. I I think Rusev could have the biggest upside going there yeah i wouldn't doubt him going to ring of honor though yeah i could see him doing that under marty scroll i think he could do a lot of big things there i think he just needs a little opportunity to do that um i wouldn't doubt drake maverick and ec3 going together wherever they go Mm -hmm. i know there was some internet talk about pairing him as an ec3 with mjf in aew (laughs) But they're the same character, and that doesn't yeah. need to happen. No. Like MJF is over as MJF. He doesn't need anybody else. No, so let alone to give him a tag team part. Like I'm sorry, I, I just I don't buy it. No, I'm not into it. No, you, you can say whatever you want about that. Uh, but like I say, I think if Maverick is truly gone, he is paired with Ethan Carter the third. Wherever they go, like that's going to be your one-two combo. If they go back to Impact, I think that's not a bad look. Impact, no. Impact is not the biggest federation, that no. they put on solid programming and solid matches, and that's all you can really want as a performer. Yeah, Sarah Logan, I think will wind up back with the with WWE. If she doesn't, AEW would be idiotic not to sign her. Their women's division needs a little help. The, if their women's division is on life support. I'm sorry for. Whoever is running their women's division, they've done an atrocious job with it. Britt Baker is only now starting to come into her own as a heel. They've really botched it with everybody else on that roster. I'm sorry. It's it's bad to see what they've done. They need somebody to come in there and rewrite the ship. Yeah. And I think Logan could be a corner piece if you won't really want to go that route. Everybody else is really fair game, except I think the the joke I've had is Heath Slater will now go on the indie scene, tear it up like Drew McIntyre, mm-hmm. and come back to win the NXT world title. Mm-hmm. So thus 3MB will be the stable of champions. Yep. It's going to happen. I fully believe it. I think Eric
1: Rowan will end up in AEW and with the Dark Order.
0: I don't know. I'm going to say 50-50 on that. Okay. I Because I, th- I think with Brody, he's the better of the two as far as it goes for wrestling. Like, I wouldn't doubt Rowan winds up with NWA.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: But I, I don't know with AEW how many they're going to take because they're not running shows that we know of. Right. I'm sure they're going to try getting into Florida whichever which way they can at this stage or to another state that's allegedly going to be reopening. Who knows? But I think that they're not going to be signing everybody, per se. Rowan is, is, a, is, a, is a real puzzling one. Too. Yeah. I think he'll wind up working into like i say an nwa maybe um or even a ring of honor maybe even impact i mean maybe. I, I think one of those two would probably take him or when the indie scene gets back up he could be another guy that just goes around the indie scene until he finds a good spot to land and for most everybody else i would say the the writers i think are just to be furloughed i think they're all coming back like lance storm machine mm. helms i don't think that they're going anywhere permanently uh, Kyoto could be anything too yeah um, really that was kind of really puzzling more than anything but right because he was the only referee on the list right but it could be a situation where is, he just had a lot of contract money on the books and then obviously doing the layoffs and trying to write the ship right now. I understand it I but it's, it is what it is with business. It's, mm-hmm. it's like when everybody got laid off and people were complaining about how the stock uh, holders got paid that's federal law. Like Rich explains this on 3FN. So you really want more detail about that, listen over there. You should be listening anyway. It's great content. But overall, with that, it was a really crazy time going in out of the ring. And then probably the craziest thing in ring that we have seen or heard about is money in the bank.
1: Yeah. Now That'd be Pat, a little crazy.
0: Pad, do you want to try breaking this down?
1: I don't think I can. I'll leave this one up to you.
0: Okay. So what they have announced is this year's Money in the Bank is going to be taking place at Titan Tower.
1: What's Titan Tower, you may be
0: asking? It is the WWE headquarters. Well, their current headquarters, they are building a new one.
1: They're, they're holding off on it for the time being.
0: Right, with everything going on with C-19 shutdowns. They're holding off. So they're going to basically have the Money in the Bank participants, which the Money in the Bank match, if you're not familiar with, there's a ladder and a briefcase in the center of the ring. First one to grab the briefcase wins a title opportunity whenever they feel like cashing in in the calendar year. Yep. Uh, So that being said, it is kind of the... Precedent of what usually winds up being a SummerSlam match or another big pay per view match. Just depends on when somebody comes in and really wants to add something to the storylines.
1: Or you're like uh, Baron Corbin and blow it on a random uh, SmackDown episode.
0: Sometimes that happens. I mean, it's it's what they say eighty three percent of all winners win the world title. Something like that, yeah. So the men's and women's match is going to be taking place at Titan Tower, I believe, on the roof.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, and if I read correctly, I think the match, some of the matches, including those, might have already been filmed.
0: Right. It's going to be done a lot of the Boneyard match, I believe. Yeah. Maybe a little Firefly house. It's uh, a creative idea. It's creative. But, yeah,
1: let's make it the best out of a bad situation.
0: But I, I am just wondering how they're going to do this, and I know you haven't been watching to see some of the crazy WCW stuff when they had the Giant and Hogan on the roof, and mm. the Giant went over the building yeah. and survived to win the world title that night. Like, it's... I sense we're going to have something weird like that. Like, I'm I'm just saying, I'm not doubting a crazy stunt like Jeff Hardy doing a swanton <sighs> off the building. Oh, my Lord. Just something really absurd. Yeah. That they will Photoshop and special effect the heck out of. Like, no, no performer is going to be in danger of doing something like this. I need to clarify that. But you'll see something done like that. You'll see, like, a weird, like, helicopter swinging ladder shot. Mm-hmm. And I know they're still announcing names for this, so it's anybody's guess as the fight to get up to the roof is going to be taking place. It's a unique idea. I am just, yeah. I'm just, I'm very guarded in in my expectations for this. Yeah, no, my
1: my bar for this is set real low.
0: Yeah, I but mean, it was
1: for a boneyard match, and then the uh, other the
0: firefly firefly
1: funhouse Funhouse. firefly funhouse match you know and look how good that was
0: yeah so i'm hoping to be happily surprised when this card does happen um i just i i don't really know what to make of it right now just just the fact that we're gonna be going like basically fighting like donkey kong pretty much to get up to the ladder i just Uh, i just
1: hope that like if they're if they end up fighting through the building and trying to get up to the roof i hope there are like strategically placed Former wrestlers, like at one point, you might see the Boogeyman working in like the cafeteria, yeah. or, or something not like because that'd be that at least make it funny.
0: Yeah, they're going to do something like that. It's going to be like the old ESPN commercials when they're yeah, doing. Yeah. They're they're going to do something like that. They're, you're going to see random wrestlers appearing and and it, like just it's going to be some wacky ass hijinks. I mean, uh-huh. I'm excited to see it, but I'm really lowering it in. I know, yeah, Money in the Bank is going to be May 10th on the WWE Network uh if they're filming right now or if they've already got stuff filmed i
1: think they're i don't think they filmed everything but i know they filmed some stuff the uh over the weekend because the one report i read was they filmed some stuff and and some of the wrestlers had to went in between filming stuff had to like huddle together for warmth because it happened to when the night they were filming it happened to be a little cold and being on top of a building when it's a little cold makes it even colder
0: the behind the scenes about this is going to be truly incredible there's got to be like a tell-all book the, oh, there's going to be uh, one of those WWE 24-7 oh, yeah. behind the scenes. There's It's got to happen yeah. for this one. doesn't need to happen for the Boneyard match, but I definitely want to see the 24-7 behind this. But that being said, let us know what you think. We hit you off with a lot of WWE content this week because they've been making a lot of the news as they're the ones still in business, albeit doing live shows, and they're doing the proper procedures during, in between. Because if you've been watching the program too, they're taking a lot more commercial breaks in between matches, if you've noticed, to clean the ring and switch mats. So, okay. So they've been doing the proper technique from what we've been hearing. So they're adhering to the rules. They've been very open about this. So this is not anything that's like a deep, deep, deep dark secret. Now, like the UFC, which I have to still harp about. But I digress. WWE has given us a lot of news. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about all the releases? Where do you think everybody's going? Who's coming back? And what is your thoughts about money in the bank from Titan Tower? Definitely got to have that conversation. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and there is no local minute, but we will continue to stress, support local, support local, support local. Whatever you can do to support your local businesses, local artists, local... Anything, please support. And going into rounding the bases on that note, Pad, we were hyping it up last week. Mm-hmm. It definitely delivered oh, parts yeah. one and two of The Last Dance, yes. the 1998 Chicago Bulls team, the last of the dynasty. The two or the 10 part documentary series kicked off with parts one and two. We are going to be talking spoilers if they happen to pop up. So in three, two, one, you have been warned. Pad. What did you think?
1: I thought it was amazing. I thought it was very good. I loved the way they told the story, where they were kind of not going in you know, timeline, or they were kind of jumping around where it made sense in the story. Um, overall, t- talked about bottom It was very gripping and, and really drew you in and made you want to watch and keep watching to see. Even though you know how the story goes, you know how it's going to end, they still presented it in a very great way. And I will say, soundtrack was top
0: shelf. Soundtrack is amazing. The production on this has been spot on. And to get into the history... Of that final Bulls run, and hearing about the the conflict with Jerry Krause, and they Phil did him Jackson. dirty. They did Krause very dirty.
1: And, and and I get that Phil Jackson doesn't like him, Michael Jordan doesn't like him, Scotty doesn't like him. And then you had the owner who was kind of like you know whenever they'd bring up the topic of something Jerry Krause said or did, he always kind of took the out as yeah well hey hey yeah you know.
0: Well, I don't think he wants to any part of that. Unfortunately, I like I I, I have a feeling. They, after this is all said and done, Krause is going to be as disliked as Bartman was. Could be. In Chicago. Could be. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I'm not wishing that on him. I want to stress that very much. But in my opinion, how they've been portraying him thus far, he is going to be one of the most disliked people in Chicago sports history. Probably. If he isn't already. For what... Has been getting brought to light with obviously not resigning Phil Jackson and, uh-huh. and just bringing him back, but telling him you got one more year and you're gone. I don't care if you win eighty two games. I believe was a co- was a quote. Yep. Yo, like why would you, it just shows one the of the show. greatest
1: coaches of all time. Like oh, I don't care if you go undefeated. You're not coming back.
0: It, it, mind blowing. Like I understand yeah. that obviously Father Time catches up with everybody, but when the Bulls are still winning as they are winning, you don't really need to be using that idea as, as your focal point and no. obviously if you want to go a different direction eh, just think it was just a messy situation it, it was not handled well it was definitely not handled well and then the documentary i will say that that's one thing i don't like is you can definitely tell it's very anti jerry kraus mm-hmm. in this
1: because as much as you might hate the guy or you might not like the guy he still deserves credit for putting those teams together
0: oh yeah by far he definitely does and they're just they're doing him absolutely dirty by this but it is very interesting to see how they're portraying Michael Jordan and just how his work ethic came to be and how Dean Smith told him to leave North Carolina. I never mm-hmm. heard that story. No. And, I mean, when do you ever hear of a coach tell you that, that, no, you need to leave and you need to go? And Not
1: any time these
0: days. Yeah, it's, it's very rare to hear and just to hear the story of him going into the NBA and the early stories about him with the Chicago Bulls, which yeah. is just wild. The like, hotel room. Yep. That, Ooh. I was – i was just like wow hearing that story of his first time uh on the road with his fellow teammates uh-huh and just to see the drive of how jordan became jordan yeah and, and to see how he is the legacy that he is just the ultimate competitor was truly fascinating and i think the biggest surprise to me that i at that time i never really paid attention to contracts that much sure scotty pippen yeah. Signing that atrocious what, seven Good year
1: lord, seven year deal for like, what was it, seventeen million dollars? Yeah, something like that. For pennies.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about working under a salary cap, but I think even at that time they didn't have a salary cap <laughs> in the NBA?
1: I don't think so. No, because yeah. I get Jordan was making like something like thirty three million a year. But for the number two guy in the organization on the team, you know, to be the hundred and twenty second highest paid player in the entire NBA is
0: crime it is a it was a travesty and for pippen who jordan would not have been as as successful without pippen no god no no way no so the fact that that the team did him like that i mean it's the ugly side of sports because once you put professional in front of sports or professional in front of anything you become a business
1: No, yeah and and, and like you said you know jordan wouldn't be anything he was without scotty you saw jordan without scotty yeah they talked about that that Playoff game against the Celtics where Jordan put up the record 63 points in a game. Put up, Think about it. Man puts up 60. If I go to some random person on the street and says, hey, I want to tell you about a basketball game. One player put up 63 points in that entire game. What do you think happened? Do you think that player won? 99% of the people, I would say, I would think would say, oh, yeah, God, 63 points. They should have won that game. Didn't win the game. Didn't have Scotty.
0: Yeah. It goes to show that you need a team to win a championship. You don't do it with one player. As much as it's thought otherwise – Jordan needed the tools around him to win. Mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen was his biggest asset to his playing career. Yeah. And it showed when he wasn't in the lineup. And they go into detail about Scotty could have got a surgery but didn't because he didn't feel he needed to come back that much for the organization. Yeah, And I understand his gripe. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like I say, it's one of the downsides when every time you put professional in front of sports, yeah. professional in front of an athlete. When you look at the business aspect, there are no friends. And it's an unfortunate way, but it is the truth that there's no way around it. And well, and
1: I think ultimately when egos get in the way of what you should and shouldn't do where, you know, you've got at that time everyone's saying, oh, they're the greatest team of all time, best this of all time, best that of all time, and it's getting to them, and they're going to their heads where, hey, i got to get this surgery, i got to get back, I, you know, so we can win another championship and we can can solidify ourselves as the greatest franchise of all time, greatest team of all time. But instead you're going, oh, i got this one guy in ownership or the front office that doesn't really like me. I'm going to spite him.
0: Exactly. Ego kills more dynasties than you can possibly fathom. Shaq and Kobe. Shaq and Kobe. Even most recently, not throwing salt on your wound, Patriots.
1: Yeah. No, you think about it, though. If Shaq and Kobe were able to stay together, Kobe would have a hell of a lot more than five championships.
0: Oh, they, they wouldn't dominate the next decade. Oh, yeah. The, the, they were in. They were the fact that those two could not play together. You look at Golden State. You want to even take a look uh-huh. at that recently. Yeah. And now I know it's coming to light about Draymond Green talking about Kevin Durant and the quote-unquote elephant in the room if he's staying or going. It goes to show about how ego can just kill a team. Yeah. And the Bulls are a prime example that as well as they played, it took one ego to bring, the, bring down the machine. It's crazy to see from the outside looking in. Right. But the episodes thus far have been spot on. Great storytelling, great soundtrack, like you touched upon too. Yeah, and I personally cannot wait until the Dennis Rodman spotlight episode. Oh, it's gonna be so good! I'm excited about that one. I believe that's coming this Sunday. Yeah, I'm that one, that
1: one is that this coming Sunday, and then also the one about the Pistons is this coming Sunday as well.
0: And to remember that rivalry, like I say, I grew up in in that time frame of the '90s basketball. To talk about the Pistons and the bad boy era and to see the Bulls and, and just the the sheer brutality of those games. Like, you think the NBA is tough now? No, 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 no. Go watch the
1: ESPN. If you have ESPN+, Plus, go watch the 30 for 30 and the bad boy Pistons.
0: Yeah. You want to talk about fighting hard in the paint for a basket? That is your definition of the 90s basketball. There are teams that go in there that you knew you were coming out A little worse for wear that night because they are going to make you work for every point. The Pistons were one of them. And to see how the Chicago point of view, that is going to be some gripping television. Mm -hmm. The Rodman episode, though, I'm going to say is going to probably be the highlight for me. That's going to be wild. Just to see how absolutely crazy it was during that time period because when he wound up going to the Bulls and became the character of Dennis Mm -hmm. Rodman, so to speak. Yeah. That's when everything really changed, but he was such a larger-than-life persona. And if you even want to take a look at it in comparison to wrestling terms, it's like when The Shield was there. Yeah. You had Jordan as your Roman, you had Pippin as your Rollins, and you had Dean as your or, uh, Dennis Rodman. Like, it's just crazy to uh, see how it matches up when you have the three heads there yeah. all working together. And then the thing is, on the court, they worked fine. Mm-hmm. That was uh, – and you talk about three very different personalities. Oh, yeah. And they made it work, and let alone they made their teammates better. Oh, yeah. It's going to be truly something to watch. And ESPN, like I said, they kicked off parts one and two this past Sunday. Parts three and four are this coming Sunday, and they said it's a 10-part series. I believe it's airing on Netflix as well when it's all said and done. Netflix overseas. Netflix overseas. Okay. So if you're overseas listening, thank you for listening, and definitely check it out when it comes your way because it is must-watch TV, bar none. That being said, the music you heard on this week's edition of the sports show for the ODPH is that of Fair City Fire. There are friends in Austin, Texas. Brian Wolf has got some solo music coming out, so is Clint a part of the band as well. So to find out everything going on, Fair City Fire, you can swing on over to faircityfire.com. Or why don't you do this? Swing on over to ochoduroparlayhour.com and check out the music section. You can find out about Fair City Fire, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Yard Party, Tom Jolu, Second Suitor." The list goes on and on and on of the great bands you hear featured on the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Also on OchoDuroParlayHour.com, you can check out the ODPH directory, check out everything going on with Off the Cuff Gaming. Tom is going through Final Fantasy VII Remake Pad. All right. Now, I know you're involved in that as well. Yeah, I just
1: started the other day. It's
0: really good. So if you want to get a little more in-depth on that, Tom always wants that conversation on his YouTube channel so you can find all the links and get involved with the Off the Cuff Gaming adventure going on and definitely swing on over to the great podcasting groups that are in the ODPH directory. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcasters. Shout out to the Apocalypse community, which Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics had a straight fire episode live from CyberCon, his first live podcast pad. Oh, cool. It was great it like to he has the links up now if not i'll definitely send them to anybody that needs to find them brian absolutely crushed that episode and we also have to give it a shout out to hashtag 607 podcast and definitely 8122 productions their website is back up and running now so 8122 productions.com you can definitely check out everything going on with ron rich and hashtag big natty cool still on twitter pad oh lord still on twitter kicking ass and taking names the one only diesel And that is our friends over at the Three Fat Nerds Podcast. They have a lot of stuff coming on their Patreon channel. Ron is rolling out this week, I Love Movies. Cool. He is. And now, if you've ever heard the Three Fat Nerds Podcast, Ron always gives a certain review of a certain franchise during each episode. This one is going to be his raw, unfiltered, uncut, unedited take on a certain movie franchise that is near and dear to his heart. Uh You want to find out about that? $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. And you can have all the love is scary you can handle on top of that as well. We can't talk about it on this show. I'd love to. We can't. Let's just say this. Diesel has more episodes coming. He had a couple ideas I can't repeat on here. So for all of that information, plus all the early release and bonus content from the 3FNW show that I co-host with Rich through the Three Fat Nerds podcast unedited to early releases for Horizon 607, just head on over to patreon.com slash 8122productions. That is all under the ODPH directory. And last but certainly not least on ochoduroparlayhour.com, we cannot stress and hype this event enough, live stream for The Cure, May 27th through the 31st, is going to be the ODPH. It's going to be Three Fat Nerds, and it's going to be Off the Cuff Gaming, doing the top... Five worst video game movies pad.
1: Oh lord, that could be
0: a long list. And then the top five video games that should have been movies. We're gonna give you a little teaser of what we're gonna be talking about. So we are concocting the list right now, and we're gonna be presenting that on the Epic Film Guys Twitch channel. So twitch.tv slash epicfilmguys. For all the action going on with Livestream for the Cure, we cannot wait to be a part of this event. We're going to be on Sunday, May 31st from 1 to 2 p.m., but definitely tune in from the start and donate if you can. We cannot stress that enough. All the money is going to the Cancer Research Institute. It's for a great cause. So if you can donate, please donate. They are taking early donations now. All that information is on Livestreamforthecure.com. And if you want to get over there, the button is right on the page of OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J, thank you, thank you. Hit up Coach Duffy at Coach Duffy11 on Twitter Thursday night for the Giants pick and get that instant reaction, folks. And maybe Charlie Weiss will give uh, some point of views for who they should take. I'm your host Kenem. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.